welcome to hit your second shot first with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. We are at the Heritage Point Golf Course in Calgary, Alberta, the scene of the Golf Channel Teaching Academy uh, where Paul Horton teaches. Uh, the Canadian golf season is winding down, but still a lot of golf left. As we look to those crisp autumn days of leaf rules and beautiful scenery, we've been through a long season. So what is there left to work on and how do we hang on to the gains that we've made this season? Horty says there's plenty to work on. Now on to our equipment questions. Many players grapple with what kind of clubs should they use in the gap between their wedges and driver? Should they use irons or hybrids? Horty will tell us about it. And there's no greater competition than the Ryder Cup. I've covered five of them, and the upcoming event in France between America and the Euro should be great. Paul will tell us what he's looking forward to and some of the strategies that will go on. And without further ado, let's bring in Paul Horton here at the Golf Channel Teaching Academy. By the way, tell us a little bit about the video tips for Golf Channel that you taped at the Shaw Charity Classic uh, back in early September here in Calgary. Well, I should clarify that uh, Bob MacArthur and Tiffany Gordon and myself are uh, equal partners in this relationship. We just signed with Golf Channel, uh, which is exciting. Um, they reached out to us uh, just before the Shaw Charity Classic and asked if we do some video tips uh, for the Champions Tour Learning Center, which was pretty exciting. So uh, Bob uh, did a tip with Jesse Galvin, who's one of the top amateurs in the country, and hits it for miles. And uh, the theme was power for all of our tips or distance um, because it was airing at the, the same time the World Long Drive Championship was going on. And uh, you know, Bob did a, a tip with Jesse on uh, how to turn better for more power. Um, we did all of this down at, this, at the bottom end of the range at Canyon Meadows with uh, the Champions Tour players there. Um, I did a tip with Lisa Longball on speed and power and, and how soft hands can help you hit it farther, hit it harder with soft hands. Um, and then I got to do a tip for the, the TV show, uh, Champions Tour Learning Center show, with Gary Hallberg, and it was uh, uh, on the swinging rope drill that I, I trained players on how to use the ground through their feet and how to create more pressure in the ground with good footwork and that, and uh, that was fun to do with Gary. And it was all fairly uh, uh, hectic and, and a lot of fun, but uh, it, we were one-take wonders, I guess, and, and we had 90 seconds uh, with Lisa's tip and I think two and a half minutes with Gary Hallberg, so you feel like you're you have a, another chance, to, <laughs> another do-over, if you will, but uh, it was one take and they were happy with it. So um, exciting to do. So hopefully we get to do more of those. Uh, just tell us for people who've, who've heard us talk about it, where they can find them now, where they can go and find these tips now. Yeah, you can find them on the golfchannel.com or golfchannelacademy.com. Um, I haven't uploaded them to my website, but they'll be on uh, my website um, along with Bob's website as well. So. And as I mentioned, depending on where you are in the country, either you're sweating to death because it's about in the high 30s with the humidity, or your, ch your teeth are chattering here at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in the rain. Uh, everybody's getting a little bit of a different taste of, of uh, the weather, but it is fall, and it is getting towards the end of the golf season here in Canada. I, I guess what a lot of people are probably thinking of is, how do I lock in the gains that I've made this season? I've been working hard on my game on the range. I've been working with my instructor. I've got a couple of things that seem to be working. How do I lock those things? in so that when we let's say go down south during the winter or come next spring we've got those things still there well I think you want to have some trust in yourself that, that they won't fade away but um, 
I, I think at this time of the year, it's important to maybe put an emphasis on short game. Uh, that's the area of the game that we're challenged most through the winter time. And so working on uh, short game shots, putting, chipping, pitching, sand shots, the stuff that is really difficult for us to do in, in Calgary through the winter time. And then, uh, you know, just uh, keeping your game tuned up through the winter. Everybody needs a break, um, whether that's two weeks for some and might be two months for others or longer. <laughs> Uh, but especially the, the players that play lots, they need a break to, to get away from it all. And then as they come back to it, you know, we coach year round. So we, we want players to improve throughout the off season. Uh, so we, we teach indoors, we teach under heated stalls um, at various locations in the city. And, um, you know, it's important. It's actually the best time for players to, uh, when we move into winter and, and we the courses do shut down it's the best time for for players to really make swing changes um, where they're not compelled to feel like they have to go out and play they they can work through the changes and and, and uh, you know see some lasting improvement that way so so you do think it's a good thing for players to basically deprogram for a little while too during the winter because we all uh, we love our golf so much we're playing all the time in the summer and if there's a chance we can go hit balls somewhere we feel like we should keep doing that over the winter but you do think there is some sort of benefit to taking a break yeah i think it it depends on on uh, how much golf you've played and um, certainly a break is is uh, i would say advantageous to to just get away from it again whether that's two weeks or two months uh, would depend on the player, but you know, for the people that go down south, and uh, there's quite a few of those uh, players that, that go down here and there through the winter time, and um, it's really important to, to keep your swings. You can come in for tune-ups uh, prior to going down. You know, not necessarily the day before, but if you if you plan ahead and you you uh, can really work on your your swing prior to going down, so you're ready. And you know, and in in terms of other tips. For going south, I'd say go early and often. Uh, <laughs> that's what I would be doing. So. Well, the winter we had last year in many parts of Canada, I think that's that's good advice. Uh, but when we do go south, we're also encountering a different kind of golf too. I people have expectations. Okay, here I go. But all of a sudden, we're looking at Bermuda. We're looking at sand. We're looking at wind. We're looking at heat conditions that we don't necessarily face at home. Uh, what sort of expectations should you take when you go down there for those long vacations? Well, if you're going to uh, places like Florida or Hawaii where the, you're playing at sea level, uh, there's an altitude adjustment in terms of your, your distance the ball's going to fly. Down in Phoenix, it's not so much. It's, it's uh, maybe a few percent uh, you know, shorter down there than it is here. I don't notice much difference in Phoenix because that's where I mostly go. But certainly in Florida, um, you know, where the humidity is higher, um, it's warm, but the ball doesn't seem to travel as, as far when it's very humid with the, yeah. the sea air is, is pretty heavy. So. Yeah. So have that have that expectation. One other question, because I know, because we're on the PGA of Canada website, and I know there's a lot of instructors and teachers who, who follow you, what, what should those people be looking forward to for the winter as well? I mean, you know, it's a year-round thing for them as well, but how does the winter function for those kind of people who are instructors and trainers? What should they be doing in the off-season? Well, it's a great time to educate yourself, uh, to go to different teaching summits, um, do more research uh, online and so forth. I've got a teaching summit in Dallas in early November for three days with some world-class uh, teachers. Um, that's usually one of the best ones of the year. There's also uh, um, 
a major event that the Canadian PGA is, is putting on in late November, which I'm going to in Toronto, uh, actually Mississauga, uh, which is, I think, November 25th to the 29th. Uh, so there'll be some, some high-end keynote speakers and, and a chance for uh, us Canadian pros, uh, along with some, there's some uh, PGA pros, some other PGA bodies from Europe and so forth that are coming over, but uh, great chance to network with other pros and what are they doing and, and you know plan out not just your winter programs but uh, you know plan out what what's going on for next year and, and get everything organized yeah a chance to educate yourself over the winter um what we always do of course is we talk a little bit with you about equipment and about equipment choices on here on the uh, hit your second shot first um one of the things that's happened to me this summer and i don't know what why particularly but all of a sudden i seem to have decided i'm going to hit my medium and low irons and i put my hybrids away a little bit I, it's a personal choice but it seems to be working for me in the, in the short term give us a sense of you're, you're talking to a player who's trying to make that decision using hybrids or long irons for that gap between let's say 175 to 225. Tell us about some thinking that they should go through as to whether they should use hybrids or irons. Well it's a great question um, and I would say as a, as a typical rule of thumb hybrids for most players are easier to hit than long irons but, but there are players that prefer the long irons to the hybrids and I would say the advantages for long irons um, you know, might be the fact that you could keep those lower when it's windy. Um, I have some long irons that I I put in the bag based on weather conditions or, or the course that I'm playing. Uh, and I have some hybrids that I'll mix out with those long irons. Um, and, you know, this year I seem to have the hybrids in the bag more than the long irons. They're just easier to get up higher in the air. The, the center of gravity is a little bit further back in the, in the club head. It, it's uh, easier to hit out of the rough than long irons. And, you know, I think they're more versatile. And in some respects, I, I use a, a hybrid around the green for certain sort of chip shots, like putting and chip and runs kind of thing that are very handy uh, and quite easy to, to manage and, and master. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it will depend on the player and, uh, you know, the, the weather conditions in the course that you play. Um, if I have to work the ball, I prefer working the ball with long irons versus hybrids. I find it a little bit harder to, to work the ball with those clubs. But that, that's me, and it might not be the same for the next player. Well, we talked about hybrids a little earlier in the season, but give us a sense of what lofts you're looking at when you describe hy hybrids here for the average player. What, what sort of lofts should the, uh, the average player be looking for in their hybrids? Well, another great question. There's a variety of, of lofts. Um, you know, they, they range from at the low end, 16, 17 degrees, which is like a one or two iron. Um, and I'll get back to that one iron in a second here. But, um, and then I go up from 19, 20 degrees would be fairly normal. And then 22, 23, a little bit higher. So at 19 or 20 might represent a, a three iron and a 22 or 23 degree might represent a four iron and they go up higher than that. So there are uh, manufacturers that, that, you know, have higher lofted hybrids and some of the players really prefer that. And I go back to when Annika Sorenstam played, she had, I think her longest iron was a six iron. So a six iron through sand wedge, lob wedge, and she had some hybrids to take care of the, the three, four, five iron. Mm. And, you know, talking about that, 
one iron back in the day they <laughs> they used to call me the tin man uh, i had a one iron through sand wedge and a driver and a putter back then the drivers were made of wood but the rest of my bag was was basically tin <laughs> so hence the tin man but uh, you know the one iron for me back in the day went about 250 yards about the same as the three wood um, nowadays, you don't see them. The, the new driving irons are, are two irons, but they, they're very similar, although easier to hit than the old one irons from yesterday, <laughs> yesteryear. So um, there's a lot of players that use driving irons, that, these two irons that, that go for forever, it seems like. And, and uh, you know, those players that have those clubs maybe don't have room for the hybrid, or maybe they have to think about their, their wedge makeup and. Uh, you want the proper gapping to, to sort of fill out your set. Because I, I think what's happening with manufacturers is, these days is that they're making the, the, the lies a little stronger uh, on a lot of these clubs than they used to in the past. So if you're just like going out and buying your own clubs the way you did 20 years ago, uh, I'm told that the manufacturers are, are making the clubs a little stronger, the iron lofts and all that a little stronger. Yes, that's true. I think way back when, uh, uh, I, I know the I know one company, I don't know if they were the, the instigators, but uh, basically they turned a, uh, a, a nine iron into a pitching wedge, called it a pitching wedge, and, <laughs> and so now we had a, a pitching wedge, which is essentially a nine iron loft and a sand wedge, and there was a gap to fill, and hence the gap wedge came along um, and allowed manufacturers to sell another club. Um, I'm not sure if that was the reason behind <laughs> it all, but... but um, you know, the lofts are stronger than uh, a long time back. Um, but they're also, with the technology and the irons, you know, the balls, you're able to get it up higher in the air with, with a little bit less loft. And, yeah. you know, distance seems to help uh, almost every player. Uh, just a final thing on this point. For women players, hybrids or irons, uh, is there a way you go in terms of your, your pupils? You know, it really depends, again, on the player. I, I would say... Uh, I've got some female students that they love their long irons, so they have three and four irons in their bag, which is a bit unusual. Uh, but that's that's just that player that, that likes that. And I would say the majority of women players would find hybrids easier to play with. Um, it's just easier to get it up in the air um, with, if the swing speed isn't quite uh, as strong for those long irons, you, you need a lot of speed to, yeah. to get the use to get a two or three or four iron up in the air. Yeah. You're listening to Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. Hope you've had a chance to uh, listen to some of the earlier episodes uh, on the PGA of Canada website. You can also hear them on my website at the public, not the public broadcaster.com. I also will post links on Twitter and Facebook for people as well. And we'll give these links a little later in the show. Uh, we always talk about what's going on in the golf world, and uh, everyone will be transfixed later this week, when at least we're recording this, uh, later this week when we get the Ryder Cup going to France. I've, I've covered five of the events. I just think it's the best event to go and cover anytime you're there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, this, this could be interesting because I think the Americans have their best team in a generation. What stories are you looking forward to this coming weekend at the, in Paris at the Ryder Cup? Well, it's, it's going to be exciting, and there's nothing like it in golf, and, and uh, it's, it's completely different for, for the fans. It's completely different for the players involved. You know, they're playing for uh, their country or, or Europe in Europe's case. Um, 
you know, that there's a whole bunch of storylines that could pop up. I'm really keen on, on just to see the pairings that the, the captains put together and who goes with who and, and the chemistry that, that is needed for, you know, the, the four ball matches and the, the alternate shot matches. Uh, so that's a very interesting thing for me to look at, um, you know, who they match up with on the other teams. Um, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of strategy involved in coming into the last day when they set up the the pairings for the singles matches. Do you send out your best player first, <laughs> or or do you save them for the last just in case they're needed coming down the stretch? But looking at the the USA team, um, you know you wonder how they could possibly lose. Um, they've got such a strong group, but then you look at Europe and. You know, there are no slouches over there either, and, and you know, it's, it's been very difficult for the USA to, to win on European soil, and I, I think it's been 25 years now since they last won, which is uh, a big surprise to me, but I think they last won in 1993. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I think it's going to be very tight um, and difficult for the U.S. to win, but I, I'm going to predict a, a nail-biter and a U.S. victory. Yeah, I, I've seen the, the event in Wales, I saw the event in, in Ireland, I saw the event in Scotland, and, and it's, it's like a football game, it's not like a golf match, and for some golfers, that's just, that's just really difficult for them to get their heads around. They're, they're used to the crowd noise with Tiger Woods, but this is a different kind of noise and a different kind of pressure. Uh, was there anyone you wanted to see that didn't get picked? No, I think in terms of the U.S. side, um, you know, hard to argue with Furyk's picks on on Mickelson Woods and um, you know Tony Finau. He yeah. he earned his way in there, and, and obviously Bryson DeChambeau earned his ticket too. And and so, uh, be interesting to see how these rookies handle the pressure because uh, it's unlike anything else that they they will have experienced uh, to that to that point. So, uh, I've seen some Ryder Cup uh, tee shots in the past and, and you know not very good and, and you wonder how can these world-class players hit the ball like that it's just pressure that, that that's quite different so uh, I expect some great matches and some great golf I was looking over the golf course uh, the last few days and it looks like a very interesting golf course uh, and, and it sets up I think well for match play because the other pressure, the pressure playing for your country or the Europeans playing for Europe, but there's also the pressure of playing for all the other guys. It's a team event. That's a whole other mentality. And then there's strategies that go into when you're playing, let's say, alternate shot and things like that. There's also strategies. Uh, people don't see that all the time. Give us some sense of how these guys might adjust, let's say, to an alternate shot format with all this pressure on them. Well, it's interesting when you we pair players up, they, they might even look at the golf ball they play, um, which which sounds to the average player maybe a little bit silly, but <laughs> you know if, if they're used to playing one ball and the other player is is playing another ball and it might feel different, react different to, to that one player, so they they do look at things like that. Um, I think overall it's it's just going to be very intriguing. Uh, there's uh, the course lends itself to some drama with with some there's a fair bit of water on on some holes that. Uh, um, could prove pivotal in the matches in that. And it's, yeah. it's uh, one of those types of places that if you can, uh, you know, throw a shot in there and be a little bit um, uh, risky, if, if you will, uh, 
um, it might put pressure on the other players, you know, that might want to play more conservative and then force him into a, a more aggressive line to the hole. Yeah, and, and wanting to know where your, your, your partner wants to be. If you're hitting, let's say it's a par five and you're hitting a layup shot, how far out, I guess, does that guy want to be? What sort of thing does he want to do, et cetera? You, you know, does he, is he more comfortable coming in with a high shot? Does he like to bounce it up? It's, you know, you got to know your, the guy you're playing with, your teammate. Yeah, you sure do, and it, it depends. You, you put power with power, or do you put uh, you know, a more accurate player with, with a longer hitter? Um, so the alternate shot format is, is uh, where I think it's most intriguing because there's more pressure put on each player. Um, and it's, it's, you don't want to let your partner down and obviously not your teammates down. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see who, who teams up with who. And, um, you know, I, I think the biggest factor just might be the chemistry uh, between the personalities that you put together more than maybe how they play. That's yeah, the way I yeah, would see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as all these things go behind the scenes, you don't always see. I'll, I'll never forget being in Wales. I think Rory had made a hash of his morning match and was really, really down on himself. And there was a kind of a walkway that you could look at and you could see the players on the walkway elevated so you could see them. And he was walking with his head down and all of a sudden we saw Graham McDowell come up and put his hand around, arm around his shoulder and give him a pep talk. You could see the pep talk. And you thought, oh boy, this, you know, the Euros weren't doing well. And Rory came out that afternoon and he absolutely smoked his opponent. So those kind of coaching things, those kind of team moments inside are things that, we, you know, are really important to who wins this, this, this competition. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the players, golf can, can leave you in a, in a heartbeat and, <laughs> and you can find it in a heartbeat. So when you're, when you're playing well, you know, I learned this from a tour pro long ago. When you're playing well, it, it doesn't last. And when you're playing poorly, it doesn't last. But you just need to rise to the occasion. And it, it, if you have a strong mind and, and you have that right pep talk, you know, it can really inspire you to, to better golf and, yeah. and get away from the, the, the technique on, on how to do it. It's just we got to get out and play. And, yeah. and that's when your best golf will come out, I think. This is our final podcast of the 2018 golf season. We'll be heading off down south and other places as well, as we advocated a little bit earlier on. But I know that you always uh, want to give a shout-out to a few people who've made this all possible uh, this golf season. Yeah, I'd like to thank the PGA of Canada, um, partners with uh, the PGA of Alberta, also to the Heritage Point Golf Club, um, and to my sponsors, uh, Callaway Golf, uh, Nike Golf, and Aimpoint Golf. And, and for me too, also to the PGA of Canada, thank you very much for your cooperation and posting these uh, to your website. And hopefully 2019 will be a great year. Maybe we'll do some videos next year as well as some audio podcasts and uh, we can uh, get a look at some of the stuff that you've been talking about over the course of the year. Thanks very much, Horty. That would be awesome. Look forward to the spring. You've been listening to Hit Your Second Shot First with Paul Horton, the PGA of Canada's National Teacher of the Year and National Coach of the Year. I'm Bruce Dobigan, and uh, we look forward to uh, coming to you again next season, as I say, with some more podcasts. You can find these podcasts from 2018 on the PGA of Canada website and on my website, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. Have a good winter.